0: This is Multinew Media. Hi, everyone. I'm Chase Raz, and this is Multinew Media. Coming back to the show today is Carl Pauline, and it is wonderful to have you here, Carl.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So uh, for anyone who may not remember, Carl, you were uh, most recently on Multinew Media in episode 80. We talked about creativity productivity and communication. In fact, I think that was even the title of the episode and wanted to have you back here at the beginning of the year because you've got a second edition of one of your books out and we want to talk about that a little bit later. But before that, Carl, why don't you remind the folks who you are?
1: Hi, well, my name is Carl Pauline and I run a YouTube channel which is uh, essentially based around productivity but essentially Evernote and Todoist I write books, I write blog posts, and I do a little bit of mentoring with uh, a number of private clients as well. And in my full-time job, uh, I help uh, business professionals over here in South Korea with their uh, English communication and uh, other presentations and all that kind of thing. Oh, and I also teach at a university part-time business creativity
0: now I'm thinking of the bios I've read um, of yours online and the one I wrote for for show 80 and I'm thinking you could keep going oh and oh and <laughs> for a while here. Uh, yeah no so you you, you teach you um, you consult um, active in, in English and and um, so English training for for business professionals, productivity mm-hmm. training. Um, would you say you do much in the line of um, like productivity mentoring? Is that well, or is it more that's
1: consulting? A lot of, that's one of the areas that has been growing over the last six months, if I'm being honest. Um, I kind of started that off with the intention of just only ever having five clients on at one time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's now grown to 10. Um, so that is an area of my business that's actually growing um, quite quickly now.
2: You
0: could do um, one of those where- uh, you know, larger, not the small intimate ones, but the larger mastermind groups. You know, and bring about 10, 20 people in and really help them out. And, and, and uh, um, entrepreneurs would love that, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm thinking about in terms of the future is because I know that actually, um, you know, Seth Godin has the alt MBA mm-hmm. um, where he has, I, I don't know how many people enroll. Maybe it's 30 people enroll at any one time. But it's very intimate. It's, you know, one-on-one with him and a number of other teachers as well. Um, and I was thinking that perhaps that is somewhere where I could go in the future. Well, you know It, it gets it a lot more in, uh, intimate and a lot more intense.
0: I, I, you know, I almost want to give my it's, – it's, <coughs> I'm not doing it for this reason, but this is going to be a shameless plug for you. You're also uh, an asynchronous teacher. You teach on Skillshare and Udemy, correct? Yes. Right. So I, I, I just, I guess this will be a shameless plug for me as well. I just put my first course on Udemy and it's a very niche course. If anyone's interested, they can go check it out. I'll be talking about it in in other episodes. But, um, between those two, are, are you happy with those? Are those good business generators or are you getting most business And by business, I mean people interested in productivity. Is that more of a YouTube thing? Is that from your books? Is that from uh, your live teaching, your asynchronous teaching? Where is the momentum at right now?
1: I think the momentum really comes through YouTube. YouTube? If I'm being perfectly honest, yeah. Yeah. YouTube is where it's it's probably all coming from initially. But as people then get involved in that and – You know, one of the things I've learned as a teacher is you can't please all of the people all of the time. (laughs) And one of the funniest things was, is when I came over to career, I started out as just an English teacher in a language institute. And I had no real teaching experience. I'd coached rugby. Um, but that was essentially the only co- coaching come teaching I'd ever done. Well, that's good but leadership the development is, there, though.
0: <laughs> R- rugby, especially. Yeah, teaching
1: rug- rugby is a, a great sport to teach, actually. <laughs> um, but the, I had this no preconce- preconceptions about teaching. And um, when I came here, they gave me a textbook and said, teach this. Mm. And I said, okay, that seems fairly easy. And then suddenly I thought, wait a minute, I'm just basically teaching what they learnt in school. Mm hmm. And I'm teaching adults. And I realized it wasn't working. And, you know, after about six months, eight months, as like my confidence grew as a teacher. I started bringing my own style into teaching. And that's followed me through to the way I teach my online courses. In, in fact, actually, it comes through on my YouTube channel. Um, but I also learned that, you know, if I've got 10 students and all 10 like me, I'm not doing a good enough job.
0: Right. Right. You're just I I Um, mean, at that point, you're just uh, you're just pleasing. I'm I'm
1: pleasing everyone, which means I'm basically average. And I I like to please 80 percent. Yeah, that's my goal. (laughs) Um, But I I don't mean that the other two students are, are particularly bad students or anything. It just means that my style doesn't fit their way of learning. And that's perfectly okay with me.
2: and that's that's the mark of
0: quite natural yeah that's the mark of any great educator any great teacher coach Mm. mentor is that we understand that there are different modalities and we hopefully we know how to look inside ourselves and realize you know maybe i'm just not good at reaching people who require a certain modality or who think a certain way and we have to know that about ourselves and move on and that again if you can follow the um sort of the the eighty twenty rule in reverse, in a way that you're thinking of here. Of mm. all right, if eighty percent of the the people can be happy, and I lose twenty, uh, and I spend. This is why I'm saying it's a reverse eighty twenty rule because if I can spend eighty percent mm. of my time on them, then great. And I wonder if you yeah. do that too. The 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 ones who are the students who are uh, less happy with you, do you find you try to overcompensate and give more time to them, or do you sort of cut your losses and say, here's how I can help you? But to be honest. you you know, I I may not be the correct person for you.
1: (laughs) Well, I actually learned to be honest and upfront and just say, this is my teaching style. This is my philosophy. And this is what I believe. Um, If you don't like that, then there are other teachers in this institution who will teach you the way that you want to be taught. Right. And that was always, that was always the same, but that's followed me through now. I mean, there's plenty of people out there teaching productivity and if my style doesn't fit with their way of wanting to learn about more about productivity, that's fine that's okay. Um, as I say, I know I cannot please everyone. I know my system isn't going to work for everyone. I think my biggest issue at the moment is when I drop into the forums that you know the Facebook groups I'm involved in, I see so many people you know they start with to for three months and then they say, oh tick I think the latest one is Tick Tick or something. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, that looks really shiny and really cool. Let's try that one. And and then they say, oh, I'm not really happy about this. And then they move on to another one. And then they wonder why they're not productive.
0: Right. It's constantly this cycle of learning new software rather than spending time exactly. doing the work.
1: You so know- my philosophy has always been pick one, stick with it, and make it work for you. And, you know, some people just want to play with the toys and um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, It's just not the way I teach.
0: Well, I'm kind of stuck in that dilemma right now. I I think last time (laughs) we spoke, I was mentioning that I need to move to to do software. I still use, you know, my OneNote and Evernote to to hold my to do lists. And it's it's Mm -hmm. becoming less productive for me. And I'm currently even this morning, I was looking at, you know, should I go to to doist or Microsoft to do those are really my uh, main two choices since I work on a on a Windows desktop most mm. of my life, um, mm-hmm. and and you know I just I, I I agree with you at one at some point later today probably I'll either flip a coin or lean one way or the other and I'll just say you know what that's what I'm using and when I've used it long enough to know the features and know that it isn't right that's when I could make a change.
1: Indeed, I mean the thing is no no one app is going to be perfect. Um, trust me on that one I have practiced that for many years um, but I did learn about five years ago maybe a little less than five years ago that you're not going to get any application that will fit to you perfectly so at some point you're going to have to say right this is the one I'm going to be with and I'm going to make it work for me. Absolutely. And at that point once you do that that's when things change that's when you start focusing on the work and less on the tools which is what it's really all
0: about. Absolutely. So, um, Carl, one one of the things we really want to spend the most time on today um, is is your book, Your Digital Life mm-hmm. 2.0. So this is the mm-hmm. second version. I, I just kind of want to walk over, or, or your the original version, if I remember, is only a couple years old, right?
1: Uh, it's, it's just, well, I wrote it three years ago. So uh, I think publish, publishing-wise, yes, it probably is. Um, two years old.
0: So in terms of digital, the digital world, it's, it's ancient already, but in terms of the publishing world, it feels brand new. So what prompted hmm. this move to your digital life 2.0 and, and what type of, you know, philosophy change have you had over the past couple of years?
1: Well, the, the truth is, I mean, there's no real philosophical change in the, in the system, but when I was reviewing the original book, what I realised was, I, I didn't, I didn't feel I expre- explained the system correctly or clearly enough. So there was a, there was too much ambigu- ambiguity in that section. So I completely rewrote the system, and now <laughs> I use the word system quite loosely because. Um, You have to build in flexibility because, as we say, everyone is going to be different. Everyone has a different style. But for me, the key point was it needed to be very clear about the tools that you were going to use. Mm. So calendar, to-do list, and note-taking application. (coughs) And the key was to be able to make that much clearer.
0: So, yeah, I see that in um, Chapter 5 of your book, you have the system and a couple of dedicated um, chapters or sub chapters here about calendar, to-do list manager, notes, cloud-based storage. So I, I think I think you do have a nice clear progression, and the the topics are um, are in there as well. And and you know, well, I, that
1: was the other thing that I actually expanded on was the uh, cloud-based storage because mm-hmm. I only really outlined that in the first edition, but in the last two years, that has become a really big new thing. Uh, iCloud has improved. Google Drive has got so much better. Um, Dropbox is still there. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, I, I love Dropbox, but you you often wonder, with Microsoft, Google, and Apple all really getting serious in that cloud-based storage area, um, they've got a really tough job to stay relevant in the future.
0: You know, they, they do. And um... I, they've had that uphill battle for a long time to take a brief little tangent. And a long time ago, when I was doing some, some amateur tech journalism, <laughs> the weird the weird hobbies some of us come up with, it truly was just a hobby. But when I was doing that, um, I was in touch with some of the PR folks for Dropbox and I was being critical on them uh, for a while. <laughs> and they eventually got tired of it and reached out to me and uh, were trying to give me more information. And But you know what? My, my sentiment has kind of changed on them a little bit. I mean, they're filing for an IPO they have mm-hmm. been doing some innovation. They have uh, paper, which, uh-huh. I, you know, I know some people who, these Dropbox loyalists, they like mm-hmm. paper and all that. For the rest of us, it may be too simple for our workflows, but I think their big value is they're almost doing exactly what you talk about in terms of productivity. If Dropbox needed to become uh, competitive with Google Docs or with Office Online, they at least have the initial work there. Their focus—it's a very clear. Here's what this accomplishes, and it's a great foundation to then build upon. Just like you've been able to do, and build upon your teaching and your YouTube channel and your courses and your book. And so, I, I do see. Yeah, I agree with you. Dropbox has an uphill battle, but they're they're still there in the in the running, aren't they?
1: They are, and the one the biggest plus for me about Dropbox is um, I've been using them, oh, certainly five years, maybe longer. And the one thing I can say about Dropbox is I have never, ever once been let down. Right. Now, I cannot say the same with OneDrive, Microsoft OneDrive. Mm -hmm. iCloud, it's only in the last year I would say that (laughs) iCloud has got to that position. Yeah. Uh, and Google Drive, I've been let down a couple of times as well. But Dropbox is the one that's never let me down. It is really, really solid.
0: You know, that's been my experience as well. Um, the exact mm-hmm. same story. I wouldn't touch iCloud until recently. OneDrive has had its ups and downs. And um, uh, Google is, is pretty much st- solid, but they, they have some quirks. It's, mm-hmm. So better organization within this book, uh, much more in-depth, but there are a couple of concepts that I think if someone's kind of on the fence about going and getting this book, I you know, I, again, not to be giving you a bunch of shameless plugs because there's so much we can talk about even beyond the book. But mm. I really think this is a great read for anybody who's navigating the digital world and especially, and I, I mean this truly, especially if you are in any way, form or fashion, a content creator, if, if, if you have to produce business documents, if you produce YouTube videos, if you... Um, you know, develop websites for a living. Any type of digital creation. I think this is almost like a life guide for the 21st century.
1: Well, I, I suppose, really, uh, I, I do remember the original person that I had in my mind when I was writing it, which was the person who has no interest in technology, but obviously has to use a smartphone now because their company's emails on everybody's smartphones mm-hmm. and they had no idea where to start learning all this technology. And that was the original idea of the original book. Uh, This book, uh, I suppose I've kind of moved it out a little bit to encompass a few more people, people who are more familiar with technology, but didn't know exactly what you could get out of it in terms of productivity. And then the second, I mean, I suppose it's the second part. I always think it's the second part, but I go into a lot more detail, as you say, a lot more depth about managing your time, being more productive. Um, and bringing everything together that we have available to us today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I know hmm. everybody has to pay the bills. So I do want people to go buy this book. Uh, they can get it where at Amazon?
1: Amazon. That's where I got it. Or di- yeah, or directly from my website.
0: So your website, Amazon, and I'm sorry, what was the third I cut you off?
1: Uh, iCloud, iCloud, iBookstore. Sorry, iBookstore. iBookstore.
0: Yeah. So, if if it's okay with you, there are two things from this book that I'd like to talk about, and that's the Mm -hmm. packed model that you Mm -hmm. um, you bring up, and I've seen you bring this up in several different formats, not just in writing. And Mm -hmm. um, the the other one is it's it's more of a personal question. I want to start here though with your email management. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of philosophies about inbox zero. And you have mm-hmm. a section you called Inbox Zero 2.0. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering, one, do, do you truly believe in Inbox Zero? I, and, and if so, are you a diehard fan like you want the entire inbox empty, everything sorted, everything deleted? Or are you just going for nothing unread?
1: I, I am actually genuinely a 100% Inbox Zero end of the day, every day.
0: So things Uh, deleted, nothing in the email address at all?
1: uh, There's nothing in my inbox, no, not when I go to bed. Now, I obviously – why I call it Inbox Zero 2.0 is because the original version that uh, Merlin Mann came up with, um, I think he brought it out about 2007. But now the biggest difference is in terms of search. Back -hmm. in 2007 – like uh, Gmail, Mac mail, any kind of mail, the search functionality was not very good. So you had to have a lot more folders to organize your email. Today, the search functionality in pretty much every email client that you could use is just phenomenal. I
0: mean, it's brilliant. It's one It's so, it. so far beyond what most people know.
1: Exactly. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to learn it either. But um, just typing in the person you want, you know, you think, oh, yeah, Jim sent me an email last week. Um, you just type in Jim's name. You don't even need the email address and it will bring up every email that you need. Um, so inbox 02, 2.0 is really more in terms of you only need three folders now, which what um, you've got your action today. Uh, archive and waiting for. Um, and that's all I have. So. When I say I've got inbox zero, my inbox genuinely is zeroed every day, um, but then there's going to be things in action today folder, and and so that, that's not zeroed every day. Well, but
0: part of that is, uh, let's say you're not putting a bunch of you, you're not using the system that I and a lot of people still use. No matter no matter how many systems I put on top of this, I still use the right click mark as unread. Right, I have a triage system. So, mark as unread mm-hmm. means, all right, I'm going to come back to this within a couple of hours. Flagging it means mm-hmm. I'm going to come back within a couple of days. And I've I've almost abandoned folders for the most part, but I'm moving back to it. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds mm-hmm. like you know, there's no need for that triage. You might espouse, okay, instead of marking as unread, just go ahead and reply immediately to the email.
1: Well, I I, I suppose again it depends on people's situation. I'm I'm either on the subway or on a bus or um, I'm teaching. So subway and bus for me is the perfect time either to be doing my catching up on reading or responding to those quick emails. Mm -hmm. So um, Francesco, you mentioned Francesco earlier. Francesco sent me an email earlier this evening, which actually only required a two minute reply. And I was waiting for an elevator. So I just sent it. Done. Um, Done. Right. So yeah, he so he sent it probably like nine a.m. his time. It was five or six p.m. my time this evening, and I I suppose he must have been quite surprised because within thirty seconds of getting that email, um, I mean, my reply was something like, "Yes, sure. When would you like to do it?" (laughs) You know, (laughs) know, there's no point in me just leaving that in my inbox because it's just. I can do it in 30 seconds and the elevator is going to take a minute to come.
0: That's such a big 30. mind change too. And, and mm. the, a big paradigm change. And so many of us do that. We know we have to process something. So we sit on it when mm-hmm. there are other pieces of, uh, pieces of information. And, and you're exactly right. No matter how much you try to plan for something, unless you know what his schedule looks like or what he's thinking, you can't proceed forward except for taking You know, sometimes maybe even an hour and gathering so much irrelevant facts, that irrelevant information, rather, that he is not going to be able to use. And how many people have done that? Someone asks, you know, when would you like to meet for coffee? And you start scouring your schedule, uh, you know, for every free block you have over the next two weeks. And you kind of think, Mm -hmm. you know, I could just shoot back an email of uh, I've got a couple time slots open. What were you thinking? done
1: yeah i mean well yeah that was i think between us by the time i'd actually got back home um we sorted it out because um i just sent back to him i think the second email i sent back to him was um okay uh thursday friday you know and he picked friday and that was it yeah so so we have a call
0: you say don't be afraid of the delete key i think a lot of people are but last oh last thing on that call you know uh, francesco's been on the show before and i know you guys work together to some capacity right is that because you're both youtubers is that how that started
1: it is and we're both into very much into todoist and evernote so we have a, a quite a lot in common there and uh I mean, he's just a really, really nice guy, and I love working with him. So,
0: (laughs) So, Sometime for fun. He is. He he really is. Sometime for fun. I want to schedule um, both of you for a call at the same time Mm. for no purpose. But, you know, because we're all in different parts of the world, I think that would Mm. be a great content opportunity for us. We could record a documentary, a full (laughs) hour-long documentary on how painful it would be to to schedule something like that. That would be some YouTube gold right there.
1: Yeah, getting getting three continents into one go, yeah, that would be <laughs> that,
2: that's that's a some tough work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you had mentioned competition before. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things that I've been promoting, um, not actively, you know, capitalist pursuit, but just an ideology I've been promoting recently over the past couple of years is that we're in a new collaborative market. And I think I'm mm-hmm. certainly not the only person promoting that. Right? Not trying to give myself mm-hmm. the credit for it. But just emphatically trying to remind people that the best collaborators you could potentially have the best partners are who we used to view as competition now earlier you mentioned there is no shortage of people who are working in the productivity space. How do you take and apply any of these concepts or some of your own and and think about the other people who are out there and doing this? Do you look at them and if somebody has you know turned it into a uh You a hundred person business and running some piece of software. Do you look at that with jealousy or do you look at that with a potential for collaboration, admiration? Where do you fall in the competition versus collaboration debate?
1: You know, it's really quite funny because I I thought about this a while actually. And um, there's a number of people that I really admire who are kind of in this field. People like Tony Robbins, uh, Brian Tracy, and suddenly people who are no longer with us like Jim Rohn
2: mm-hmm.
1: now. Um, but Tony Robbins and uh, Brian Tracy Brian Chase is, I think he's 72 or 73 years now still going strong. I mean, he has no intention of retiring. Uh, Tony Robbins is in his late fifties now and I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So I see myself as the next generation. I'm learning from them. So ultimately my goal is to be where they are in, say, 10, 15 years' time. Um, maybe I'm not going to be anywhere near as rich or as successful as they are, but, you know, that's kind of my my goal. But one of the things I learned from Tony Robbins is, and I've learned from Brian Tracy and all those lot. we're all teaching the same thing. We just have a different way of teaching it.
0: That's a really good so, point.
1: And if you go even go further back and you listen to Jim Rohn's tapes, which are freely available now on YouTube, you know, what t- What Tony Robbins is teaching today is pretty much exactly the same as what Jim Rohn was teaching 30 years ago. It's just done in a different style. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why I don't really see that we have, I have competition because I have my style, which is very different from Francesco's style, which is very different from many, many other people out there who are doing pretty much what we're doing today. We all have a different style and as I said before, some people are going to like my style, some people are not, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that.
0: Now, one of the things that makes up your style. And that I've been curious about because I probably could have figured this out and uh, I pride myself on doing a lot of research, but uh, time has been short. Speaking of productivity, <laughs> you do espouse this PACT model, P-A-C-T, Patience, Action, Consistency and Time. Is this your hmm. own model or is this something that's been floated around that you have your own take on? Where does PACT come from?
1: That came from – well, the, the story goes um, – <sighs> Actually, after the first year of my YouTube channel, I think I had about, I can't remember, maybe two or 3,000 subscribers or something. And I started getting people asking questions, how do you do it? How do you build a YouTube channel? And I was perfectly happy to give advice, even though I didn't think I was an expert in any way. Um, I said, you have just got to start doing videos, get the content out there. Don't look at the numbers, because that's what will stop you,
2: mm-hmm. because
1: your Absolutely. numbers won't be great in the first six months. Uh, maybe not great in the first year. You've just got to keep going. And these people asked me, said, Oh great, great, hey, thanks very much. And I, I started following them on YouTube. I subscribed and I didn't go looking at them every single day, but you know, every few months I'd call in just to see what they were doing. And one hundred percent of them had quit after six months. Wow. And some within three months, but mostly were all gone by the end of six months. And I thought to myself then I thought, wow, this is you know, these guys have no patience. And I'd been advising them to take action and be consistent and allow enough time. And it was just one day I was writing it down, I went, Oh my god, that makes the word packed. <laughs> that's, so
2: that's
0: very serendipitous. Really I love it. From.
1: So that's where it came from.
0: So could you talk us through I mean, we obviously know now what each of those letters is patience, action, mm-hmm. consistency, and time. Are they in that order? For, you you described the origin of it. Are they in that order because it, they, they spell out the word and they're all four things that are equally weighted? Or is there a priority to these things?
1: No, I mean they all have equal priority because um, you really do. You're going to have to accept that if you're not patient, it's not going to work mm-hmm. because you'll give up. Uh, obviously, if you're not taking action, it's not going to work. Um, It has to be consistent, so it's no good, you know, taking a lot of action in the first month and then doing nothing for three months and then coming back to it. That's not going to work. It has to be consistent, and it has to be over a a reasonably long period of time. Um, So each one of those is equal in terms of priority. There's, you know, without one, it doesn't work. You need all four into the mix. But if you are willing to be patient, you do take action, you're consistent, and you do allow enough time, you know, it's amazing what you can
2: actually achieve.
0: Well, It's something particularly that – so, oh, Particularly go on
1: social media today.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, uh, sorry Branding for interrupting or you there. YouTube or whatever. Mm. <laughs> and we must have a little bit of delay. I keep speaking over you. My apologies. <laughs> it's okay. I, the, um, I, I will say this is something that I plan on citing you. Uh, with. That's why I wanted to ask about the origin. This is something I would love to be able to tell students, you know, that you have come up with this model and that I really suggest that any of my students out there read uh, or view your 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 uh, model here of PACT because, I, I you know, everybody can relate to this personally. Um, somebody may have a deficiency of action and that could be from a number of, of different areas and I think this is a good area to explore. When we talk about action, People believe generally that they're lazy or that they're not as good as other people. And this is such a fallacy. And, uh, you know, you live on the Asian continent. And one of the big inspirations that I take from traditional Asian cultures is the Zen philosophy that promotes minimalism that, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the messiest desk right now in real time that I have had. In years, it almost looks like I'm back in college again or back in high school. And I know that my entirety of today is going to be spent cleaning this problem and not just organizing and putting away, but but processing and getting rid of. Do you find that people try to overextend and that ends up making them feel like they're lazy? Or what is the biggest obstacle to action that you've encountered with this hundred percent dropout rate that you talked about?
1: it's it's hard work and it isn't so much about I, I certainly don't think anyone's being particularly lazy here the dropout rate is because well let's give you an example of my youtube channel i produce three videos a week um to do the raw recording of those videos takes about two hours that's not too big a deal the editing takes about four to six hours it depends what i'm trying to do so now you're looking at like eight to ten hours uh, that i've got to find every week now, I schedule my Saturday afternoon to do the recording and Saturday evening to do the editing. But most people would prefer to go out on a Saturday night. Right. Um, I'm just anti social, I think. <laughs> that, <laughs> but,
0: it's uh, not that. It's, it's a different type no. of, of social nature, right? There are different priorities. Well,
1: I mean, to be fair, I mean, if, if there's a concert on or there's an event on, you know, I can do my editing or, on Sunday morning. It's not a big deal. But I just usually end up doing it Saturday night. But the thing is, if you're not willing to make that time sacrifice uh, week in, week out for like three, four, five years, you are going to drop out. I, um, absolutely. You know, it's, it's that kind of commitment that you have to have. And if I could have put the word in commitment, I I would have done, but it just wouldn't pack. No, it doesn't fit. <laughs>
2: Well, I but mean, I you think
1: always between patience, action, consistency, and time. You actually get the, you know, you do get right. it anyway.
0: You know, I just it's, it's such a, um, and I mean this as the a compliment in the intelligent sense, not in the belittling too simple sense. It's such a simple, beautiful, uh, concept because it embodies so much. And and this is what uh, the reason I want to cite you on this is because. People do have a difficulty with this concept. Um, think back ten years ago; how hard it was to convince businesses that they needed a content marketing strategy. And now mm-hmm. it's it's easy to convince businesses of, of uh, businesses of that, but they don't necessarily understand what's involved. And and I was thrown around the term lazy. I don't, and I should be clear about this. I don't believe that <clears throat> anybody is lazy. I don't believe in laziness. I think that we have social and mental and physical and and all sorts of stimuli around us that push us into being overloaded and it shuts us down. And if you don't have that patience to say, you know what, I'm not going to receive anything off of eight hours a week creating three YouTube videos for months or years. If that's not a part of the equation, if your idea is I see somebody on YouTube with two and a half million followers and I want to be them, <laughs> you know, it, it, no, it's not that you're lazy. It's that you have unrealistic expectations and aren't sure of the work that it really takes. So this patience, action, consistency, and time, I, that is a, that is a wonderfully serendipitous thing to create.
1: It is. And it, it does work. It, it didn't just have to be YouTube. It could be creating a blog. It could be creating a business. You know, it works in so many different areas um even in sport to be honest um you know i i did do a lot of track and field when i was a teenager and you know those principles were just the same then um i i like doing (laughs) i say like doing they were hell at the time but i used to 800 and 1500 meter on the track and in the winter we were doing what we call cross-country running which was deeply unpleasant (laughs) In the mud, the rain, and the wind, and it was horrible. Um, But you had to be patient because if you didn't do that, if you didn't take that action, you were never going to have a good time on the track in the summer. So the patience was there. And then when you got into the spring, when you were doing the speed training, so you're on the track, you had to be consistently putting in the effort. So the whole thing, I suppose, maybe unconsciously, I was aware of it from when I was a teenager.
0: It's it sticks with you, doesn't it? That hard work, hmm. that um, it does. It, and it's not that I don't know if it's that anybody is missing that particularly, or if you know people just come come at it the wrong angle. I think people see things like YouTube and they see these platforms and they think, oh, I you know I want to be a YouTuber, and that's a term we apply, even referred to you colloquially as that earlier today in this episode, hmm. but hmm. nobody's really a YouTuber, are they? YouTube is just the distribution yeah. platform, and we lump people together that way. And I think people need to give just, that a thought.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, we're content creators. I see myself as a content creator. Um, you know, like, I, I guess 20% of my content is paid my like I sell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: 80% of my content is pretty much given away, my blog post, YouTube channel. If I add up all the stuff that I've created, I'd say between sixty and eighty percent of it is freely available on blog posts or YouTube. Um, only about twenty to thirty percent is paid,
0: and that's a or tough. for sale. That's a tough mindset to get used to. This new economy is a very tough mindset to get used to if you're used to the idea of somebody's you know giving you that idea of well, you better go work for a big company and you you better get this education to make sure you can work up the ranks over time and you better be I, I think one of the most detrimental viewpoints we have in work from the past is you better be lucky that someone offered you this job as if your own hard work isn't why you get to keep the job and and so I think that is a, that is such a difficult transformation. For people to have in the 21st century. And I I definitely thank you for the work you're doing and trying to help and educate and teach people to bring them into the world of productivity. And with that, what what is it now here in 2018? um, What should we be doing in terms of productivity? What are your biggest tips? Uh, What's changed since the last time we spoke?
1: Well, I, I, the principles of productivity are never going to change. It's really about uh, knowing what you need to get done and getting it done. <laughs> that that really is the the. I suppose if you like, that's the goal: knowing what needs to get done and then getting it done. The the key, I suppose, that I really want to be pushing this year is that because, as you mentioned before, that we have so much stimuli being thrown at us, visually, auditory, you know, people, we just got so much stuff being thrown at us now. I think the key really is focus is going to be the big thing over the next, well, forever, I guess, mm-hmm. because it's so hard to focus on what's important. I,
0: and I've got a suggestion for you. Um, your Digital Life 3.0 can have a section on digital distraction.
1: I think it probably will do because um, you know that there is a. I have a note in Evernote which is just adding stuff to it, and I, I kind of, in my mind, I realise that as it get once it gets to a certain length, that's like the indicator, right? It's time to write the next edition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, um, but I think the biggest thing, um, and it's something I learned last year more than anything else, is. We have a lot of stuff to do these days, a lot of admin stuff, a lot of things that are not necessarily important, but they just have to be done. Um, now, I suppose a good example will be your taxes, doing your taxes at the end of the tax year mm-hmm. uh, to you on a day to day basis. It's probably not that important, but for maybe a week of the year, it's vitally important, <laughs> right? Um but what you don't want to be doing is having to spend a whole week doing your taxes. If you could find a way of being able to do 30 seconds a day, which maintained some kind of form so that you only needed to spend an hour on the day to input your taxes. I think that's where I'm, I'm at now is where I'm looking at finding ways that we could do things that just within the space of like 30 seconds each day would mean that. A task that normally takes us a week actually now only takes us an hour.
0: I, I you know, and I, I, I think that part of part of that digital distraction is we do have a lot of physical distractions as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned my my dirty desk here with papers stacked all over it. Um, do you find that that the physical world ha- can have a negative impact on the digital world, the digital productivity of of business people?
1: I think it's actually the other way around. I think the digital world is having a negative impact on the physical world because if you um, one of the funniest things I say I'm a people watcher. So when I'm out and about, I'm not really looking at my phone. I like to observe people. And on the subway here, you know, I can be on a carriage and 100% of the people their their eyes are stuck to their screen. <laughs> yeah. You know, and But then when I'm involved in meetings or I walk past a room where the meeting has been going on for clearly longer than an hour, you know, there's 20 percent of the people are not actually partaking in the meeting because they're looking at their phones or their screen. So I don't think the digital world is actually, the physical world is causing any problem. I think the digital world is causing a problem on the physical side.
0: There definitely is that. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, everything from what I've done recently is make sure my search pages. Don't display any news because that's always a big time suck. Um, I I, I mean, I'm not trying to go into social media productivity. Maybe that's a a field for you more than me. But I mean, I've even gone and taken it so far that I turn off notifications from almost everyone I follow on social media if there's a news feed, right? You know, on Twitter, uh, I go and scroll through the news feed. Great. And I look at people individually. But on Facebook, uh, my friends, family, and coworkers kind of get mad at me. They say, "Hey, did you see this thing?" And it's no. I unfollow everybody. <laughs> like you, you can be my friend, and we can network, we can communicate. Um, but I think all of these distractions of, you know, this ad here, this news story here, breaking news. Uh, look what I had for lunch. I, I'm guilty of it like everyone else is. But wow, we we, we have to turn the off button uh, into that off position at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have all notifications off for all social media because social media to me is something I go into when I have time. Um, So I'm not being distracted by that. But like Facebook Messenger is on. right? um, Because to me, that's not really social media. That's a a messaging app.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like we Um, share a similar philosophy there. Um, And it seems that people who... I, I see. The biggest thing I'm lacking in your packed model is consistency. That's that's my big weakness. And but it seems that as I study more people who are consistent, it seems like they do the same thing. They shut off all notifications. They want control over their experience when they have that experience, and they tend to pre-plan. Uh, you you use something like Buffer, I believe, for uh, populating social media, right?
1: Uh, yeah, because, well, it's main, I only, to be honest, I could, I would be happy. I prefer to do it live, but you know, when when you guys are wide awake <laughs> right. and Europe is wide awake, we're fast asleep, and I really don't feel like working twenty four hours a day, <laughs> so I need buffer to be able to pop, you know, send the tweets out while I'm sleeping, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, and I can't fault you for that because there are sometimes I want uh, that I want to share an article. And I think, you know, I really want the thing I want to say live right now to take precedence. So I'll just schedule the article to go out at some random time in the future or, you know, some pre-announce, some announcement or, like you said, while I'm sleeping. So I I don't think anybody faults that, but it seems to be a um, a trend that I observe Mm and very highly effective people when it comes to social media productivity um, people using it for lead generation, for customer support, those types of things.
1: I mean, I, I see it as, you know, putting stuff out there so that people can learn. So a, a lot of the blog posts, for example, that I, I send out on Twitter, you know, I may have written two years ago, but I, I see it and I think, you know, that is still relevant today. And it's something i would learned from, well, I mentioned Jim Rohn earlier. I mean, he died in 2009 um but he's still publishing blog posts (laughs) and you know his his company is still well and true alive and uh you know he's the the things that he wrote before he died is all available and it goes out on twitter every day and i realized yeah there's no there's no problem re you know re posting yeah
0: definitely recycling it's
1: still content. relevant today
0: so many not to devolve this into a social media conversation but so many social media um utilizers for business i don't know what other term to use there uh they they feel like they shouldn't do content recycling and you absolutely should it's not shameless it's not you know second second tier uh content there are audiences that never got to see the first second third fourth run of a piece of content and so the more mm. evergreen that piece of content is uh, recycling content is a wonderful way and and I hope that that plays back into the productivity of enterprises so that they don't <coughs> think they have to publish 100 blog posts they can publish you know one or two a week maybe
1: I mean my 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 content creation is one blog post a week mm-hmm um, and I've kept that up every week now for three years, I think. Um, this actually, this Christmas holiday was the first time I took a break, and that was intentional. I, I decided, no, I, I'm just going to have a break and just recharge my batteries. Um, but you know, I couldn't wait to get back to writing content again on the. First of January, I right. did. I wrote my first blog post <laughs> for this year on first of January.
0: You get anti um, for it, don't you, when you when you're away from it? You...
1: Yeah, so it's just the Christmas week that I decided because Christmas Day is very much a family day with my with my family, and I didn't feel like, you know, while everyone was there, you know, opening their Christmas presents, I'm sat there with my computer <laughs> writing a blog post. I thought, no, that's not <laughs> um, that's what not I the way you do. want to play so that, that was out. why I took a break. Absolutely. But the funny thing is, if Christmas Day had been the Sunday or it had been the Tuesday, I probably would have written because Monday is the day I
0: write. I can't I can't fault you for that. That makes that, and that makes goes
1: 50%. back to the impact that goes back to consistency. Every Monday I write.
0: Well, there's there's my weakness and everybody. I think that's a, the great thing about putting this in a model form is that people can look at it and identify, here's my strength, here's my weakness. This is what I need to focus on right now. This is what I need to focus on six months from now. And that's the beauty of utilizing any type of model.
1: I mean, the funny thing is, is that I mentioned earlier about recording the the YouTube videos. Uh, 99% of the time I will do that on a Saturday. But as I say, occasionally there's going to be a concert or an event I want to go to. Then I will move it to Sunday morning. I hate doing it, but I do have the flexibility to do that. Um, but I like the consistency of saying no Saturday afternoon four till six. That's my recording time.
0: Well, there was hope. There was something that I was hoping to get to based on that consistency, and and talk about. Uh, or a little rather about building a an audience and building a brand and how we do that on social media. But I'm only going to put about one question here at the end, Carl, if that's okay. I know we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask a quick question about that. And then I'll I'll try to I'll try to hook and bait you at the end of the show and say, okay, you're going to have to come back for a third time. You'll have to um, write a new book or you have to launch a new course so that we can get you or just come stop by whenever. But how does that pact model, how does... Any of your productivity work and your productivity teaching, how does that relate to the work that a lot of us are trying to do today? Whether we're a Fortune 100 business or we're a small craft, you know, manufacturer of of wooden trinkets, right? The work we're trying to do is connect and engage with people. How does this PACT model help us accomplish that or how does anything else help help us accomplish that?
1: Well, I I think that (sighs) – I suppose I, I can't remember which business it's in, but it's usually involved. Is I think it was Woody Allen is is uh, quoted for this. Is that you know something like ninety percent of um, of the this business is taking is turning up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, sure it was something from. like
1: that. Is Woody
0: Allen's quote? Uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure who that's from, but I, I think probably most of us are familiar with that quote. Yep, ninety percent of it yeah. showing up.
1: is it, turning up. Yeah, and. You know, that's, I think is when I, when I look at, um, like the, the, the people I follow, the top people I follow today, like Seth Godin, I think he started his blog back in 1998 or something like that. Um, actually he pointed out that since 2002, he's written a blog post and published a blog post every single day since 2002. Now to me, that's how you get successful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that kind of consistency. If you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, who's very loud, very noisy on social media, but incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. He started way back in, I think he says 2006 on YouTube when it was one of the first videos on there with his Wine Library TV. That video is still out there somewhere. I have watched it. It was bad. Yeah, But he started then and he consistently kept going. Right, And he gradually got better and better and better. You could see the transformation. Um, and, you know, that is the secret to success. It isn't going to happen in one month. It's not going to happen in six months. I calculated that really you won't feel successful until you've done four years. That could be blogging. It could be YouTubing. It could be Instagramming. Um That is the way to do it. It's going to take you four years. If you allow yourself four years and you are committed to putting in that consistent effort week after week after week, then there is, I would say, a really – if you've got the content, you've got a really good chance of being successful. But that falls back into the business world as well. Um, You know Etsy, Mm -hmm. the website Etsy.com?
0: Yeah, the independent marketplace.
1: Um, Well, way back in when the iPhone 5S came out, um, I like putting my uh, iPhone in a pouch, not a wallet kind case. And in Korea, they don't like the pouches, so you can't buy them anymore. So I had a look around on the internet, and I found this wonderful site in Germany on Etsy. And it turned out it was just a a young lady who who loved playing around with uh, making things out of leather. And... She started her own business on this and it was absolutely fantastic. And the quality was incredible. And it cost me like $40 did the the sleeve. And I was thinking, wow, today the opportunities we have to build a business. And again, you can apply the principles of pack there. You just got to be patient. You've got to take action. Uh, you've got to be consistent. You've got to allow enough time and it will build. Absolutely. And, you know, but most people. Don't and Jim Rohn uh, again. I, I've been. I, I just love that guy. The stuff that he put out there. He said he used to spend months and months and months trying to figure out why don't people do it. It's easy, and in the end, he just decided he'll never understand. It's just mystery of the mind.
0: Well, it's it's easy and, for certain mindsets. If you're not a patient person, it's absolutely not easy. It's it's almost agonizing.
1: It is and. But for me, as I say, I, I I was never patient. I was not patient <laughs> when I was in my 20s. I've had to learn it. right? Um, because, you know, you're not going to really achieve very much if you just keep giving up.
0: Y- you know, I have um, a I have a kind of a smart ass saying that I like to uh, put out there. People talk about, oh, you need more patience. Well, I always quit back and say, you know, patience is not a virtue. It's a character flaw. And I halfway mean that. But I at the other end of the spectrum, you know patience is something that's definitely required that you can get benefits from being impatient, but you have to use that strategically. You can't have that be your overriding um or your overarching rather personality <laughs> makeup and and yeah. I almost think you're being a little bit generous um here because you talked about four years for success. Now, I agree with with how fast the digital world moves if you are very consistent and create quality content or you work, more and more towards uh, quality. Seth Godin does mention, you know, make better art. That's one thing he mm. says. Uh, but mm. we have a saying in business that overnight success takes 15 years. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, yeah. it used to be taught to business school uh, students, and and it's not as, around as much anymore. But this whole idea of professors would stand up and say, listen, overnight success takes on average 15 years. And, you know you never see that what people see is the overnight success and they want that they may not necessarily see the four five 10 15 20 years that went into positioning those cards just right so to speak so I I, I can't stress how, how much your work is influential and important in helping people um, not just psychologically cope with this but understand what it takes and how how we can be more productive
1: it is i mean what you actually mention is i mean i'm talking about the four years when you start with your blog or your youtube channel or whatever but what i what i you made me realize is um before i could do that i needed the 25 years of actually practicing it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Because that's where I got the knowledge from. It was 25, I, you know, from way back in school when I started creating study timetables for my exams. You know, that's the the time I remember first getting into being organized and being productive. And that was 25 years ago. So it's 25 years plus then four years.
0: Right, right. In my like case. Four years of dedicated action once you realized what you wanted to do with it. And and uh, yeah. it is a large time commitment. And for those folks who are thinking, well, I'm going to go start my Etsy shop or I'm going to go start a website or I'm going to open an ice creamery. Great. Absolutely do that. But understand a lot of that process is if, if you are striking out independent, you'll probably still have to keep working your day job for for quite a while. Carl, you're a content oh, yeah. creator and and you do multiple things. You have your own business. You teach. You um, do the mentoring and consulting. And uh, you know a- anyone who listens to the show knows, knows that I'm no different. It's it's <laughs> some days I don't know where I'm going to be that day.
1: Mm. It is it, it's it, it's a lot of hard work, and you really, really, well, it, again, as I say, always it does. I realized last year it always comes back, back to pact. If you're willing to put in the effort, you've got the patience, you take the action, you are consistent, and you allow enough time, you can actually achieve quite a lot the main reason is is because a lot of people just quit so earlier you mentioned about competition um, most of the competition will disappear
0: absolutely there I think that is a wonderful place to conclude and something that people mm-hmm. should know most of the competition mm-hmm. will uh, will disappear. You heard it from Carl. Carl, that's absolutely right. Um, so l- l- let's do this just for the sake of time. Uh, let's go ahead and conclude. Thanks for joining me, Carl. I do want to give you a moment. I want to turn the floor over to you. Um, where people can find you, definitely let them know where they can get the book again. Uh, Your Digital Life 2.0. Um, it, it's it's out there now. It's a great read. So Carl, why don't you uh, wrap it up for us?
1: Well, if you want to get in touch or you want to find out more about me, the best place to go is my website, which is www.carlpulline.com. Because you can get to my blog, website, well, my, it's my website, you can get to my YouTube channel, and you can find out more about the book right there.
0: Wonderful. Your book, your courses uh how to contact you for any mentorship or or if if mm-hmm. got a business that you would like to have um do you do do you do um you do English language consulting and productivity, correct?
1: I do English language consulting but that's usually that's through my um through FanCorp other company if you like yeah. yeah Through FanCorp
0: Yeah And so you can get that On your website as well I'm sure uh, Again Carl yep. Thank you so much Everyone go out Get Your Digital Life 2.0 I just grabbed my copy Over on Amazon Put it in my Kindle reader Wonderful read I can read it Anywhere I'm at On my computer On my Kindle Cell phone All of that Carl thanks for joining me
1: You're very welcome Thank you for having me
0: Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take
2: care.